Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, alongside Coach Tro of Brown City High. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, glad to be here and kind of switch, uh, switch roles a little bit and ask you some questions and kind of uh, learn a little more about a 3-2 offense, 3-2 motion offense that you're, uh, you're geeked about, you're excited about. So uh, I'm excited to learn today. Um, what about yourself? I'm excited to put my my strategy coaching hat on because usually that's the one thing that when I'm working with coaches and teams such as yourself, you know, I try to leave the strategy to you guys. And, you know, when you bring me in, you say, this is kind of the strategy that we have. And so here's the skills and what we're trying to develop through that. So being able to flip it around and talk some X's and O's is is fun for me. I bet. Um, and it's always good to talk X's and O's and learn. And what's intriguing to me about this um, offense that we're going to talk about today is the trend seems to be going in five out and a lot of four out. But we're going to talk about a little three out, two in motion offense. So I'm looking forward to seeing how um, the offense is designed and who it best suits. And I know coaches out there that might um, you know, have the personnel that fit this offense might think about putting in some wrinkles from it or the entire offense itself. So with that being said, you know, who is what what type of team is this offense best suited for? Yeah, it's a great point that you mentioned. So many teams are going four out and even five out. And, you know, as a 32 or a three out two in offense, there's a lot of uh, times where this becomes a four out one in. So it, it's three and two or four and one pretty much the entire time. But if you're choosing this to be your motion offense, a couple of things that you need. One, you need a, a player who can post up and can work and make kickouts and passes. They're physical and they can play down low, right? So we don't need both of our players to necessarily be able to do that at a high level. We want one. Coach, you just had a, a player who's now playing college basketball. They would have been able to fit in this position because they were able to post up. They could, we could also use them to be the fourth player that goes out, ball screens, ball reversals, things of that nature. But we need one of those two being able to play around the basket, high post, low post. Uh, another thing that we need is three perimeter players that can be somewhat interchangeable. Not that they have the same type of skill set, but they're comfortable playing from the top, from either wing, They're, they have an understanding of what their strengths and weaknesses are as far as being able to create, being able to attack closeouts, being able to uh, screen, cut, and pass the basketball. I know that's all kind of maybe vague, general, but we're going to get you know very specific with those topics. And so I've basically talked about four of those five players. The one player that can really make this work, especially if, if they're an effective player. They're kind of your Swiss Army knife, that player that can bounce inside and outside. Do they have to be great at any one skill? No. But one of those players out of our two bigs is going to be setting a lot of ball screens. It could be both, but it needs to be at least one of them. He's able to set ball screens, ball reversals. They're comfortable making passes out of the high post. Uh, out on the perimeter, 
And then if they can also um, play with their back to the basket, you know, we're going to be in really good shape as a team. Yeah, it's it's a rarity that you have a dominant post player, but when you have one, and, and I think it's just because we're not developing them as much nowadays with everyone going to four out and five out. But when you have a kid that can play in the post and pass out of the post, I mean, it is a lethal weapon. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how you – that coaches out there that have a solid post player that maybe can go inside, can go outside as a good passer, how they can best use them. Um, so overall, what is the kind of the, the blanket and what's the, the concept of this three out two in motion offense? So I'll, I'll walk you through kind of some of the spacing and the motion options without even talking about, you know, attacking off the dribble and some of the things we're trying to, to get. If I, I think that might be um, the best way to start. So if, if we look at the spots on the basketball court, our player up top is generally going to be top of the key to slot the slot area. Our two other guards are going to be on the wings and they can, you know, drift up and down from the corners. They might come slightly higher, not necessarily. So it's going to end up being a, a two guard front, but, but they're on the wings and our players are interchangeable up top from those positions. For example, if uh, I'm on the top of the key, and I pass to you on the right wing. A couple of my actions are, I can basket cut, preferably a face cut, and fill opposite. I can screen away for my teammate on the weak side. I can receive a flare screen for my teammate, and then they can look for me on the skip pass. Those would be my three most basic reads, okay? If I'm on the wing and I receive the basketball, Again, without getting any the ball handling reads that we're trying to make, I can pass the basketball back up to the top of the key. I can stay, or I could backdoor cut, go all the way through on the baseline, and then using the dribble where we would have to reorganize out on the perimeter into our three main spots. Basically, that player who's up top with the ball can dribble back to the right wing. Everybody shifts over, and now we've again filled those three spots. Now, our two post players are basically playing a triangle, okay? The most basic sets off this, motions off this, actions are a triangle position, meaning if the basketball is on the right wing, it's low post, it's high post, and the off spot is the opposite block. And some of their main reads and actions that they're trying to make are obviously low post, low post up, high post flash, we can get into a high-low action there if the ball goes to the high post. And then if you're on the low post and you're posting up, okay, and you don't get the basketball right away, you got two options, okay? You can go up to the high post and set a screen. That, that player comes down, flashes down, or you go to the opposite block, get out, and now that high post flashes down to the low post. Now, if you're in a position where you have a double low post, we can get into cross screens, right? So, so that strong side block can screen across the baseline for the weak side block, and then they can flash across and post up. Now, with the, with the growth of four out and five out, rarely are you going to have two defenders now who are really comfortable playing post defense because so few players play 
post offense. So if you can if you can work on isolating a player down there who's not comfortable playing post defense, and you can get them caught up in in switches and mismatches, you can really get them into into some trouble. Um, so those are a few of the kind of general spots and locations that that we would try to use. And then as far as concepts, on the perimeter, we want to be able to attack gaps. We want to be able to attack closeouts. And our players are going to need to be able to play well off of triple threat to be effective in minimal dribbles and to be able to make that next pass, that next read quickly. Gotcha. Um, you know, I liked how you mentioned that, you know, players lack the ability to play a defense in the post because I think that what you're talking about is you might be able to throw a different player in there depending on that matchup inside and take advantage of it. And it might not be because they're a dominant post player. It might be just because of the defender they have on them is smaller or lacks the ability to defend the post. So they don't really even have to be a dominant post player as long as they can be better than the person that's guarding them. So that's you know something that I thought about when you were mentioning um, post defense is if you can find that mismatch, you can really uh, take advantage of it. So in the offense, um, where are the spots that players are going to you know get shots or where do you want to get the ball to? I know like if you follow uh, the Rockets, they they talk about getting threes and a lot of offenses are based on that. In this three out two in motion offense. Where do you want the ball and what type of shots will you be taking? So we want to create a lot of mini closeouts. And we want to be able to do that by getting the basketball to four boxes. Okay, so those would be the two elbows and the two blocks. All right. And then so, you know, Kobe Bryant calls those kill boxes. And then the, the fifth kill box would be kind of front rim between, you know, that charge circle and then the circle from the free throw line coming down. Um, we're, we're not getting the ball off the dribble off post up a ton there, but those four other boxes, we want to get the basketball to them. And generally, if you get the basketball to those spots, those are spots on the court where you need multiple defenders to guard the basketball, whether that's off of a drive, a high post flash, feeding the basketball to the low post. So if we can concentrate first on getting the basketball to those boxes, and then being able to, now we start to move the basketball from there, that's going to give our teammates an opportunity to shoot it, to be able to, to quick rip and drive to the basket. They get doubled down the post. We can kick out. We can get kick out threes, which are your highest percentage of threes, ones that are coming from the inside, inside out. And so those are the type of um, actions that we're trying to get. And if we can get consecutive actions, you know, a, a good defensive team stops an initial action. Great defensive teams, okay, which are very, very rare, have the ability to stop consecutive actions. So if we can be consistent possession to possession with consecutive actions of you know, drive kick, post kick, getting the defense to collapse, to expand, rotate, and then collapse, expand, and rotate, that's when you get – nearly every high school basketball team in trouble is if you have to make them do that twice on the same possession. Yeah, I was just on a coaching web webinar the other night, and they said the best defensive 
one of the best defensive possessions is possession with no closeouts. And you're mentioning these small closeouts repeatedly where the offensive player maybe takes a small advantage and that might be the closeout and they're turning into a larger advantage where they attack or maybe they get a ball screen. So um, that's great stuff. And, um, you know, I like the offense. I like the idea of it. And I know coaches out there that are thinking maybe, because from my understanding so far that you've explained it, it's not a really heavy dribble offense. Like there's it's a lot not. of dribble guys. And, and so coach, go ahead. Well, I say we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit from the development standpoint. It's not a heavy dribble offense. So, you know, you might have a player who's a really good ball handler. You might have one who's decent off a triple threat. You know, you can trust them with the ball, but they're not going to pound the, the heck out of the ball. And then you might have that third perimeter player. They're more of a shooter, right? And so their role could be they, they catch and shoot, they cut well, they screen well, and they pass well. And they would still fit within this offense because although – those three players are interchangeable on the perimeter. They don't need to be all interchangeable and robotic with having the same skill. And then with so many teams going four and five out, I think what, what we often forget about as coaches is the driving gaps. If I only put three out, okay, instead of four or five out, those gaps are bigger. And the more players I put out on the perimeter – those gaps to drive become smaller because there's just more people standing around the arc. Now the, the point of that for a basketball team is, okay, we're putting everybody out on the perimeter. Then we attack them off the dribble. There's less help side under the basket. Okay. So that, that, that's the main concept there. Whereas with a three, two, you know, okay. It may be easier to get past the initial line of defense, but there's going to be more on the back end waiting for you. Okay. So it's a philosophy thing. It's not necessarily right or wrong. I think the key is being able to find what best suits uh, the needs and the strengths of the team that, that you have, and then you can attack it from there. Exactly. I know there's a coach out there that's probably scratching their head. Maybe they did some dribble drive and then they, you know, have a solid group of athletes, but maybe they're not extremely skilled um, ball handlers. And this is a great offense. Maybe you got those, those two tight end kids that are just athletes that are, you know, good at their football players, but they maybe lack a little, you know, ball handling skills, hey, this is a perfect offense for them. Just, you know, go out there. You don't really have to, you know, be extremely skilled. Um, and you can still, you know, get up good shots and good looks. Um, but to stay on topic, um, you know, you talked about reads earlier. You talked about perimeter and post reads. So how do you build up these reads in practice and skill development? Okay. Yes, this is a great, great question. And before I get to that, like, I don't want to say it's not for skilled players. Like, if you want to be good, like, your offense is going to look good if your players have skills, right? And regardless of what offense you put in, it's not going to look good, right, if they don't. Um, but, I, but I think is this one is specific to certain players, like, like you mentioned. Like, if you got two kids that are just coming in on football, they only play basketball in the winter, this would be a great offense to utilize some of their strengths physically around the basket, post up, rebound, and they're not, uh, you don't have to worry about them trying to break down a kid with a between legs crossover from 23 feet away to get to the basket because they're just not going to be put in that position. And if you have uh, some, some wing players that, you know, aren't as effective because of speed and athleticism off of the dribble, okay, all right. That would obviously help, but are they effective 
as far as making a quick decision on the catch with one or two dribbles, whether it's the pass, shoot, drive, give it up, okay, and let's move without the basketball again. It's suited for players like that. And then if you do have a really good ball handler, they're obviously going to be dribbling more. We'll get into um, there can be a lot of ball screens Im implemented within this offense. And so you're still going to get some of that. But back to your question, being able to develop the skills necessary for this type of 3-2 offense. Okay. Um, so one thing, and there's many different variations, and Coach, you've been to our camps, you know that we, we like to do a lot of this stuff anyway, but being able to play a lot of one-on-one -on -one off of triple threat. And so being able to play one-on-one -on -one from the wings and from the top with uh, minimal dribbles. Maybe it's a two dribble max. Maybe it's a three dribble max. Another variation of one-on-one -on -one that I like is six second one-on-one. -on -one. Players get better, give them less than six seconds where you, know, you check the basketball and the third player behind is counting six, five, four, three, two, and they have to create a good shot in that amount of time. Now, coaches, I'll tell you, if you try that drill, it's gonna get ugly and you're going to see some poor shots. And honestly, that's what I like as a coach is because I can say, hey, you want the responsibility to perform and, and score. Look at the shots that we're getting right now, right? We need efficient shots. You should be able to create separation. You should be able to get to the rack in a short amount of time. That's what, what we need. So it's a humbling one-on-one -on -one drill if you do that one with your kids. Um, and then Another way that we would play one-on-one -on -one is those short closeouts that we talked about. So maybe um, I have the basketball at the top and you're on the wing and your defender is in the gap and I drive that gap, I kick it out to you. They got to take a couple short chop step closeouts and then go one-on-one, one-on-one from there. Um, same thing with our low post players, being able to play high and low post one-on-one. -on -one. I call it triangle one-on-one. -on -one. And basically, you get your post players down on the baseline, and you go block, high post, another block, okay? And so the game starts when, um, if I'm on the low post, defender's on my back, I'm on offense, I spin the basketball out, and as soon as I catch it, the game's live, okay? And I might only have one dribble to try to score. If I miss it, then that defender goes to offense, and a new player comes in to play defense. Now, if that player scores, they move along the triangle. So they would go from low post, and now they face up and check it from the high post. Player scores. Now they move down to the low post on the other side and continue to, to play. Um, and then obviously being able to play one-on-one -on -one off a of post entry, whether it's the kids working on, you know, a, a half front, a full front, different type of defenses, and then being able to catch and score is, is a great way to prepare. So that's some of the individual one-on-one, -on -one. and then we can build build from there. So coach, you've seen some of our two-on-o uh, same side drive reads. These are, are in a sense built for this type of, of offense. And so some of the actions that we want to have off of the dribble, okay, we've already talked about some of the passing options, <clears throat> but we can pass and create these and, and drill them really, really quick. So if you set up your players around the top of the key or one of the slots and you have one player waiting on the wing and we're trying to teach our kids the reads that they're trying to make in a game because no matter what, one of these reads is, is going to happen, okay? So if I dribble drive 
the basketball to the right gap if you're on the right wing. I'm, at, I'm attacking the rim. I'm attacking the rim hard, okay? One thing that the defense could do is basically stop and look at the ball handling. So all the, all the wing player might have to do is just spot up, boom, kick out, catch and shoot. After they catch and shoot, they can get their own rebound. After I kicked it out to you, now I become the next shooter, and we rotate from there. If I drive the gap and your defender steps up a little bit, that's my cue to drift down to the corner. And I could pass it to you down in the corner. You take the shot, get your own rebound. Then I fill and take your spot. Next player goes. If I drive that gap and that defensive player helps in the gap, but they help down a little bit, that's that off-ball defender's cue to lift and start to wrap behind me. I can turn, pivot, and make that, that pass for them there for the shot. Another option that we want to work on 2 on oh, that goes right in line with this offense is being able to push that player through. So maybe I attack off the dribble. I'm a primary ball handler. I can push my wing player. I can push them down to the corner. And then they go through. I could just push them through and they can basket cut. And then I can bounce the dribble out back to the wing. And my other two perimeter players fill the two spots behind me. Okay. Another option that we have, the fifth option, is getting into a DHO. There's a lot of dribble weave options within the 3-2 offense. And I know as much as a lot of teams run four out, a lot of teams still run a dribble weave. And so being able to drive from the top and get into my, my DHO and that wing player now brings the basketball up to the top, looks to see if they can hard turn that corner and get into the paint is something that we'll practice. And then the sixth one that may be most obvious that I haven't mentioned is your backdoor cut, being able to dribble, dribble at the defenders more on the line, up the line. They're looking, you step them up, you backdoor cut, and you, and you pass through. Coach, that's, that's six reads that we want our kids to be able to make off of this offense. They're always going to happen. You're going to be able to do at least one, if not more, than one of those six reads on each possession, okay? So we can kick straight out. They can drift corner. They can lift behind. We can push them through and keep a live dribble. We can go into a DHO, or they can get into a backdoor cut. Those are all two-on-o reads for our perimeter players. Our two-on-o drills for our post players are really working on high-low, right? It's, it's, it's tough for, for kids, unless you really rep it out, to work on some of that high-low passing. But as you've seen with teams that are successful, especially more so at the college level, that can be a very dangerous spot to put a good passer is around the elbow. Because when they get the basketball at the elbow, one dribble and they have a layup, right? If the defense you know, is, is slacking, they're not paying attention. So it's a dangerous spot to get the ball, which is why we strive within this offense to get the ball there through the dribble or through the pass. So being able to work on high and low post scoring, being able to work on those dump down passes, being able to seal your defender, be able to, to really get a strong pivot, power up for your layup is something that we, we practice. And then, you know, being able to flash up and just knock down that 15 foot um, high post flashes, an important shot. And then the third main two on O uh, series that we'll go through are, are ball screens. And like I said, we want at least one of those two bigs to, to be comfortable picking and popping. And we're going to use both of them here and there to at least screen 
and roll back down to the basket. And so getting them to, to be comfortable setting ball screens on both of the wings and up top is something that's really important to us, being able to attack it off the bounce, being able to hit um, our screen. They can pop out and take the shot. They go to the basket, hit them there, they post up. Those are all things that we're going to try to to work on within, you know, just small-sided, two-on-o um, workouts. Now, from there, we got to add defense, right? So I talked a little bit about one-on-one, -on -one, but from there, we got to build it out. And so being able to play two-on-two, -two, same side with our perimeter players is, is key. And, you know, one of the drills that I like to do is if I'm the ball handler up top, that defender is on my hip. So if I'm driving to my right, that defender is on my left hip. Okay, and then we go, I have that slight advantage and my, my defender on the strong side, they, they may have to stunt, they may have to help. That gives my teammate on the strong side wing the opportunity to make a read, whether that's a corner drift, whether that's a, a high lift. Um, I, I could bounce out and push them through and we could reset it we can get into a dribble handoff. All those different reads that we've talked about, we get the chance to play two on two out of them there. Um, with our post players, we talked about two on O, high low, playing two on two, high and low post, right? The coaches, the coaches on the wing, we can get into a cross screen from our, our two bigs, and then the coach can throw the pass in. Well, we can have one of those players high post flash, we throw it in, and then they're working on playing two-on-two -two attacking from the elbow or being able to, to make that high-low pass to the big posting up is something that we also want to play two-on-two -two out of. And then the ball screens, again, being able to play two-on-two -two with the ball screens, being able to, to say, okay, well, this is our big that's generally posting. We're really going to concentrate on setting those screens, rolling hard to the basket. Our other big might be more of a pick and pop kind of player. And so we're going to play two on two off of that. And the locations are important, right? Using the locations from the wing, the spots that we're going to get those type of screens in a game. That's what we really want to try to emphasize and work on. Well, I love the progression of one on one to two on zero to two on two. And I'm also thinking about this. It's just a, a great opportunity to build your defense too. Because, you know, if you can guard your yard um, and you can guard the person that you're guarding, it's going to help out your defense. So then you go two on two. If you can shut down a two-man game, it's just going to help your defense. So you're working on both at the same time in those small-sided games. You're getting a lot of reps. Um, just like at the camps that you run, the kids get a lot of reps. There's a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of small-sided games, and it really, really helps development. They get better just at the few days at their camp, and then hopefully they go on and take that stuff. Um, with them. Another point that you brought up is getting the ball to that high, that, that elbow. And that is just a dangerous spot. If you watch the NBA, you know, where do they get LeBron at, at a lot? Right at the elbow. And he has the middle of the floor to work with. He can, you know, like you said, one dribble and he's at the rim. Um, so I like that part of the offense. I like that being, being able to have a post that can attack off of that elbow spot. I do have one question and for maybe listeners wondering is if there's a dribble at your post, did, did you talk about that? Did I miss that? Like what does the post do if they're in the post and they, they get dribbled at? Yo, great, great question. I, I did. I failed to mention that. So let's say I'm on the wing 
and it's a baseline drive. Okay, our post, our post on the low block has two decisions that we want them to make. We want them to go opposite block. So if that defender steps up, we got that little wraparound pass on the baseline to work on. That's a short amount of, uh, I mean, that's, that's a quick bop, bop pass. So it's, it's tough for the defense to be able to drop all the way down and help, especially if we're hitting a, a big, they, they should be strong, strong finisher. We do that. Or they can go front rim, right? So if I'm, if I'm driving that player on the block, they can basically back up the entire time. They're not going to turn around because they might receive the pass, but they're going to, you know, basically take their butt. And so their chest is facing the, the front of the rim there. Now we, we do cover a, a couple different passes. For example, if I drive baseline, it's just more of a, an outlet. My block can wrap around so I can just turn and kick it back to them. Okay. And if I'm on the wing and I drive middle, and we have somebody in the low post, okay? Then that post player is gonna sit their backside to the baseline, okay? So I could give them a little pocket pass, they could catch it and just take one strong pivot and get up into a power layup. If they're more of a shooter, then they can drop back into you know the short corner even deeper than that area if they can really shoot it, okay? So th does that make sense as far as driving off of, off of the wings? Yeah, definitely, definitely makes sense. I, I understand what better now. And on that is a lot of times when I've coached, um, when we throw it into the post, the guard thinks their job's done. They've gotten to the post. So what are some things that the, the, the perimeter players can do once the ball's in the post? I know like the Warriors, they use their post game more to, you know, jumpstart their perimeter game with some split actions and things like that. So they're not, they're looking to get the ball into the post, almost pass it and open it up, you know, those shooter, open up things for the shooter. So what are some options for the perimeter once they pass in the post? I'm glad you asked that question because you're 100% correct. We're, the job is not done when we get it to the post. So um, especially at the high school level, when you pass it to the post, what does that on-ball defender do? Uh, their head's going to turn. <laughs> Almost every right time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so that, that's one of the most simple and basic reads is when I pass it, they're looking. So if I pass it, say, on the to my left side, that defender looks to the left side, then I can cut to the right side. And if I don't get the basketball back, I'm just filling all the way through. Everybody else is rotating around. Now, if I pass to, to the post, I can also – screen across so I have my teammate who's up at the top of the key and I can come in and give them a screen and at the very least this gives my post player time to operate so that's great if, if we can loosen them up on the perimeter my, my teammate comes across and now they can get a catch and shoot three in rhythm off of that kick out that's great but by being able to move without the basketball occupy those off ball defenders we're given our our low post score, the chance, another second to be able to make the read, make the decision that they need to, to get a bucket. Uh, good stuff. And I'm assuming that, you know, if any coaches are out there want to know a little more about the post, they can watch your T series because when you were explaining that, I just picture the post player, you know, working through that T series of, of yours. So if you want to touch on that a little bit. We have uh, on our YouTube, we have probably a six or seven minute long, a set of reads that players can use basically making a T. So they, 
they use their shoulders, right? And so they can post up and create space with their shoulders, their feet, and their hips. My, my shoulder going into the chest of my defensive player. And then when I catch the basketball, I can reverse pivot, square up. And there's a whole series of shots and moves that we can get into off of reading our defender. And this is really good if you have a player that you want in the post, but they might not be super comfortable playing back to the basket the entire time. Um, I think of a kid when I was coaching in Perrysburg, 6'5", 6'6", and we wanted him around the basket. He hated playing with his back to the basket, though, right? And so we would always have him catch it so he still gets a close-to-the-basket catch. He had a high release, and he was tall with long arms. We, that was a spot we needed him to be in. But we just said, all right, when you get it in the post, right, just use your tee, reverse pivot, face him up, and then it would just be one dribble right or left. He could get into his hook, high-release jump shot. And it worked really well. So that, that is a good um, video on our current basketball YouTube channel that you could check out. Um, and maybe one thing that I forgot to mention was we were three on oh and three on three. I know it talked about two on two, but our perimeter players in those three spots will go three on oh. So they'll work on, okay, three on oh, no pass. And so player from the top makes the pass. They can basket cut. Weak side fills up. We rotate around. They might make their the pass, pass, rotate across. Okay, now we're working on a flare screen, swing the basketball with a skip pass. That middle player might come down. Okay, now it's not a flare screen. It's just a basic away screen. And then that, that opposite wing comes up to the top of the key. And so we're running that three on O. And then obviously we're going to add defenders. Okay, three on three, no dribble. Okay, now we're allowing the dribble, or maybe it's a minimal amount of dribbles. We have the dribble reads as well as our off-the-ball reads. And so playing three-on-three three out on the perimeter is a big part of um, kind of the skill development, small-sided games that we want to implement with our 3-2 offense. No, it's great stuff. Um, now, you know, talking about the offense, talking about all the positives. So what are some things that give the offense trouble? So this is, um, again, this is a better man, man type offense, okay? Um, when you can still run it against zone, you can get into more four out one in, which we haven't talked about yet, we'll, we'll get into. Um, but when teams run zone, there's some tweaks that I really like to concentrate on. It takes us a little bit out of our formation. Okay, so, so the basic option, like if a team's in a 2-3 zone and we're running our basic 32 offense, we can still pass and cut. We can still pass and screen away. Our bigs can high-low flash, try to find a body and screen each other. We can do all those things, but it, but it gets a little harder because it's an area they're guarding, right, not a player. Now, what we can do is still get into our overloads, right, so we can take that one of those bigs, and let's say we, we put them out into the corner, right? We put them out in the corner, and then what we want to try to emphasize when teams go zone is, again, can we get the basketball to the high post, right? That's a constant with all of this offense. And so if we have wing, corner, low post, all on the, the strong side, one thing that we can do is bring that low post 
out to uh, kind of the dunker spot, the short corner. And if we go basketballs to the wing, basketballs to the corner, basketballs to uh, the, the dunker spot, short corner, and then we run that opposite wing and we, we come through quick to the elbow. And if they don't get it at the elbow, they dive and basket cut. That opens up a lot of things within this offense trying to hit there. And, and we can also run that cutter through from the top of the key area, dropping them down to the elbow. And then we fill that opposite wing up to the top of the key. Now we put, we put five on a side. Now we're not gonna stay there. We're gonna continue to run cutters through from the high post and down to the block. But uh, that's something that's been successful uh, with this offense if teams do go zone. Oh yeah, a lot of the, the concepts that you mentioned in the man translate to the zone. So I could see it being, you know, easily transferable to a zone, a zone, a defense and going against the zone defense. I heard a coach say one time, you can teach against the man, but your kids have to be able to play against the zone. And so I think if holding, and I couldn't agree more, but keeping that in mind, there's a lot of this that is just playing, right? We've just put them in a set where it's three out, two in, or four out, one in, and they're playing, they're making reads, they're making decisions. Um, so, so zone, again, you got to play against it. Why is Syracuse so effective? Everybody knows they're running that same two, three zone, but it takes you out of your initial offense and you just got to be able to play. You got to be able to hit some shots, attack some gaps, and do your best to try to get the defense to collapse, expand, and rotate. No, that's, that's golden, whoever said that right there. And that's why a lot of teams struggle against zone, especially early in the season, because, you know, they've probably gone over their man offense and, you know, they need to play against a zone. And kind of flipping that, um, with this offense, I know some coaches might go, you know, I like to have a little more control. I like to call it a set. I want to get the ball to this person in this spot. Um, what are some ways they can implement some simple calls? Or maybe they're like, I want to start the offense with a dribble handoff into a ball screen real quick. Um, maybe, they, maybe they have a signal for it where they wave their hand, meaning it's a dribble handoff, and then we get a ball screen and we play out of it. Um, what are some ways that coaches can implement you know, their flavor and get the ball at, to a certain spot or a certain player with, to start the offense, like an, like an early quick hitter? Yeah, so with early quick hitters, you know, we can talk about that transition of bringing the basketball down. And, and this kind of leads me into talking about more times when it becomes a four out, one in. So a lot of times we're going into this 3-2 offense from the start but there's actually somewhat of a secondary break that can go right along with it, okay? So if we're bringing the basketball up and I'm slightly around the right slot area and, and you're, my, you're running the right sideline, you can push all the way down to the corner. We have out of our two bigs, one is rim running and one is our trailer. Now off of that, I can reverse the basketball to them. They can rotate across. That big can start the offense up with uh, an away screen. But a lot of times what I like to do is we got the three players out on the perimeter. We've pushed one down to the strong side corner. And then that ball handler immediately comes off a ball screen 
that drag screen and transition to start the offense. And then from there, we can look to turn that corner. That big, okay, can pick and pop. We can reverse it to them. They can hit the, the wing who's coming up from the corner. They can set another ball screen, right? And so we can really go four on out with four out, one in with a designated ball screener. That's something that coaches may want to do if they really want to implement a lot of ball screens within their offense. It's very easy to take one of those, those bigs and make them a person who's going to pick, pop, reverse the basketball, and, and do it again. You said hand signals, you know, so every team has their own hand signals. Push through is pretty simple or push down, right, when we're bringing it up in transition. I like to implement that right away anyway so the kids just know it. If we haven't pushed the basketball up with the pass to try to get a quick rim run for our big, they're automatically pushing down to the corner. And then that big is preparing, that transition big is preparing to set a ball screen for the ball handler to come off. Or they're, or they're hitting them. If there's any time that you're running the 3-2 offense and you want to pull one of those bigs away, so you're going four out, one in with the ball screen, we just use a hand. Like we're just put, putting our hand up or putting our fist up, that's ball screen. You know, it's a ball screen action. And now we're going to get into that option. Easy for a coach to implement that from, from the sideline as well. So that's a little bit of the, the transition, the flow that works well as far as going four out, one in to start. Ball screen actions are easy, especially in the beginning of the offense as we're transitioning down the court. You can continue to do that, you know, whether you're in the half court or not. Oh, it's great. And I know ball screens are heavy. Um, they're getting more involved in high school basketball, and there's so much you can do out of it. And you mentioned, so if you want to throw ball screens in this offense, it sounds like a great offense to do that. And you could even have, you know, your role and replace, uh, you, I don't know if you know about the, the Spain pick and roll, and there's a bunch of different things you can do out of it. So it's a good offense if you're interested in running some ball screens or you got a guy that can break somebody or that can utilize uh, the ball screen. So good stuff. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with coaches about this offense right now? Um, you know, I, I think it's important for kids to understand how their skill set can benefit the offense. Right. And so, again, I want to emphasize something that I mentioned in the beginning was you don't need a bunch of kids that can really, really dribble and break down the offense. But do you have one, preferably two, that can really handle the ball? Maybe that third one is, is more of a catch and shoot player. We're going to utilize them to screen, cut, move without the basketball. It still fits. We want one player who has the ability to play with their back to the basket, or at least in the T that we talked about earlier, they need to be comfortable down low. And then we want that fourth player. And honestly, maybe it's a guard. Maybe we were playing four guards and one big, but that one guard, we really want to have be our Swiss army knife interchangeable. They're going to get the basketball in a lot of different positions, right? So they, they can play high post, low post. They're going to come out and set a lot of ball screens, ball reversals as well. Um, another thing that you can do within this offense is if you're in our 32 and we take that low post player and you can take them out to the corner. So now we're four out, one in. And now our other big has the opportunity to isolate in the post all by themselves. So for example, if you're on the wing with the basketball and the big goes out to the strong side corner, you can hit them 
you can cut through, you could screen up. Every, the other three guards are still filling their three spots. That's an option that you have uh, within this offense as well that works pretty well. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to, wanted to mention with this. Um, when you have your, your four, okay, your, your four is, again, very, very, they're useful in a lot of different ways. Okay, coach. And so being able to have that player to set the screens, to pop, to be able to give the basketball up and then get it back again. If you have a team that has one player, and I'm thinking of like your Geiger a couple years ago, you had a kid who's now playing. And because the defense was so focused on making the game difficult for him, it's important for you to be able to spread him around so he's doing a lot of different things, right? So if you're a team that has kind of a forward type who's very versatile but gets a lot of defensive attention, this would also be a really good offense for you. No, it definitely would be, yeah. Geiger would fit nicely in this offense. Um, and I know a lot of coaches will, will benefit from listening to this podcast and learning about the offense, and then they can dive into a little more um, stuff that's posted on your website or stuff that you share because a lot of this is like the two-on-oh drive and kick, um, you know, two-on-two small-sided games. You know, it's basically the offense just broken down. So it's, it's great stuff, and I appreciate you sharing it with all of us. I remembered. I was, I was sounding like a real <laughs> idiot idiot for a while. I remember what I was going to talk about because I, I didn't have it in my notes. Going 3-2 but wide. So hopefully you guys didn't stop listening after I sound like an <laughs> idiot for a minute because I was really thinking of the Three, two wide. So when we're up, okay, when we're up, let's, and we're in the fourth quarter and we need to burn some clock, okay? Now we're going in our three, two offense, but we're going what we call three, two wide. And we're pulling our three guards high, higher, and wider off of the arc, okay? And that's when we can really get into a dribble weave, right, with a lot of dribble handoffs. We can bring that four. Okay, because we're so spread, we can bring them higher up off the high post or we can send them down to the corners, being able to pass and, and quick cut through. Now, Coach, I know a lot of teams like to double team the corners. Again, we want to make sure that the player that we're putting in the corner is comfortable passing. Now, one of the benefits, I think, of having a big in the corner is because for the most part, they can usually see over top of the defense. It makes the passes easier when you get the basketball in the, in the corner. So when you're up, you can still use and basically stay within this exact same offense, but you're going 3-2 wide or 3-2 stretch. Everything's farther out. Those gaps become bigger. The times where the ground that the defense has to cover in order to be able to double to help and try to pick off a pass becomes much bigger. So you can still run this essentially as a stall without actually changing the offense that you're in. That was the last thing that I wanted to mention. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's important. It's always important for an offense to have a, a stall game, um, you know, delay game. And, yeah, that's, I'm glad you remembered it. <laughs> I'm glad to. I'm glad to. Well, hey, we want to thank you guys for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Coach's Edge 1. Uh, we'd love a rating, a review, anywhere that you listen to the Coach's Edge podcast. And very soon, uh, later in summer of 2020, 
uh, coachesedge.com will be up to help make your program better, stronger, faster, more efficient in less time. We look forward to sharing more details with you as it develops. Thanks again and get after it today. Yeah.